Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me, as always, my co-host Dylan Reagan. Dylan, back here on the podcast after a little break. Uh, you and I both had things going on. Um, I have a, you know, another future quarterback running around. Um, so lots happening. But uh, yes, we're back here, and we're going to discuss what we have been trying to discuss since we've uh, been trying to coordinate doing this episode for. Uh, you know, a week or two now. Um, looking at the first-year coaches, now keep in mind, a lot of these guys not first-year uh, coaches in the NFL by any means, but looking at all the changes that have taken place, and that's what you and I were kind of laughing about, like, my goodness, like double digits. <laughs> there were double-digit coaching changes in the NFL this offseason, and we knew it would be a very busy one, but, man, you look at this list here, and we're thinking, again, some of these were gimmies. You knew were going to happen, but... I don't know that we really thought like at some point we'd be saying, wow, you know, here's, here's 10 coaching changes, but you look up and uh, a few surprising ones later and well, here we are. Yeah. It's, it, you know, we have, it, it, you don't usually have a head coach opening come up one year after it was open. So we have a couple of those cases. We have a couple of coaches retiring in New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Um, obviously the situation in Las Vegas uh, with John Gruden opened up that one. So yeah, just, so happened i mean even like i felt like seven last year was a decent amount but i you kind yeah. of in that six to eight range usually maybe like a quarter of the league just the nature of the, the turnover not every team's gonna have a coach like uh obviously belichick being there since 2000 what, what one of the crazy things you look at i was looking down this list of coaches i, I know i only sent uh, blake a, a portion of these new coaches but man the let's see the sixth longest tenured guys are a tie between sean mcdermott sean mcveigh and kyle shanahan that is crazy the other coach the only coaches ahead of them are andy reed pete carroll john harba mike tomlin and bill belichick so it's i mean yeah that just gives you an idea basically uh, you know more than uh, almost three quarters of the league at least two-thirds of the league have been hired as head coaches in the last four years um and now yeah hopefully with these 10 we'll have some that stick around a bit longer some names that are familiar as we yeah we were talking before you know don't usually always see half the coaches that are uh, new hires being former head coaches um but yeah some like you said some that we expected a number that we didn't but should be now it just a really wide open uh situation here going into next season with uh, definitely expectations hopefully a little more reasonable for some fan bases and coaches than others uh and uh, some situations not obviously ideal that's why their head coaching <laughs> openings came <laughs> well as i say let's just start there and get this one out of the way because again we'll go into these teams when we do our previews we'll, we'll dive into the actual team aspect yeah. of it a lot deeper but i think it's safe to say levy smith is the one with the most um you know years of experience in this position uh although you know that's that's been a little bit uh from when he was with the bears but um he takes over i mean i guess when you compare all these like i think it's safe to say that's the most challenging job of the group i don't think that's overestimating it i mean maybe the giants you know there are some challenges there with um that organization but 
I still think the Texans, that's that's the toughest job based on where things have gotten to there. Um, and so I don't know exactly what the, you know, if you compare, let's, let's say this, because I think you compare these two guys, you know, Todd Bowles has some experience. We'll talk about him yeah. in a minute, but Lovey Smith, Doug Peterson, they're in the same division. Um, Lovey Smith's with the Texans, Doug Peterson with the Jags. Peterson, you know, has a Super Bowl to his credit, winning a Super Bowl. Lovey Smith got to a Super Bowl as a coach. Um, but these two are in the AFC South, and they're with, you know, the two teams that are going to be chasing the two teams in front of them with the Titans and the Colts. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, though, I think Peterson in a much better situation um, just based on probably the way the roster's built. Lovey Smith in a situation where I feel like he's sort of that that stopgap. You know, let's just try to – let's improve. <laughs> let's try to build the roster for the next couple of years, and then maybe, you know, once we are actually – looking like a reputable team again perhaps um maybe we can go out and and make that big splash higher and you know appeal to someone else but i feel like that's kind of the hire they had to make and and really someone that just they feel like is going to be able to come in and sort of stabilize things seems like that was the the move there yeah i i just i I agree completely that the jags are the better situation i feel like if urban meyer not even just the record wise but hadn't collapsed (laughs) off the field and in the way that it kind of occurred there in jacksonville on some of the stories that happened with how he uh, treated players i mean i think they that con definitely would have kept him for at least a few years i think there's definitely a longer leash there whereas in houston i don't know what really you could have expected more out of david coley when he got hired last year we were kind of you know it seemed interesting a, a you know a career assistant that was getting up there that hadn't had an opportunity but it just seemed kind of random it seemed like exactly almost what you just mentioned a guy that kind of brings stability to houston to to work to you know at developing that roster and then eventually uh, hand it off on the once the roster is in a better place to a different coach now it's just they switch to another uh guy that obviously lovey has a lot more you know, as a head coach for quite a few years uh in chicago and as you mentioned making a super bowl uh it's I guess it's a bet you know makes a little more sense it does feel like this is probably the guy they should have hired last year maybe for that situation maybe they wanted to and the timing just didn't work out but um I I agree completely Jacksonville has to be the better situation not just because of the fact that you have you know not to take anything away from Davis Mills who had a fantastic in my mind rookie year uh, that's still flown under the radar I've seen some list ranking rookie quarterbacks from last year and he's at the bottom of most of them given what he did I don't know what you could have expected more but obviously you'd rather have Trevor Lawrence you feel like some of the guys they brought in in Jacksonville and some of the youth just with the right coaching right culture they might be able to win quicker but um it's also really just for me the organization even if the Jags have been pretty bad for a long period of time outside of that one playoff run where they almost made the Super Bowl a few years ago uh, not really a team that's uh, been in contention but I still think at least as a coach you're going to be able to go in there and have a few years I don't think Doug would have taken this job if he didn't think he was at least going to get a three years or so to get this thing rolling get it work make it working with Trevor a little bit better at least see some production on the offense I think expectations for the Jaguars shouldn't be too high um some people maybe think that they could uh, compete for a playoff spot if everything goes right that afc is so competitive i don't see it this year but yeah i think expectation wise maybe there's more pressure on doug eventually but for lovey it's just like i don't know what (laughs) there's pressure because i don't know what you can do to to save your to to be the long-term solution and maybe lovey knows that going in maybe he knows what the deal is but it's a tough spot uh for a coach at this point given what just happened with david coley last year yeah, I I think so. It feels like that's I mean, I feel like the Texans got better. Like I said, I don't I don't feel like they got worse under David Culley, but mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, this is just to me, I, I'm not sure what the thinking is here, but like I said, I feel like just to stabilize something and try to move things in the right direction, although again, I, I don't know how much of a difference there was from Levy Smith and, and David Culley, aside from the experience standpoint, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see if if anything uh, comes with that with the Texans, I, I think they'll probably be towards the bottom, I think that's probably a a safe bet there. We'll see what happens with the Jags, too, like we said, with Doug Peterson um, coming in there and having some opportunities there with that. Um, I mean, let's just talk about Todd Bowles real quick because he is, of this group, I think, the next in line when you talk about just sort of overall experience. I mean, I guess we can th- we'll throw Josh McDaniels in there, too, because, um, you know, his first in with the Broncos did not go great uh, by any means. Decided yeah. to, to come back to the Patriots, um, took the Colts job for a little while, uh, about an hour, and came back to the Patriots. And um, so here we are with these two but i mean look i think when you look at it from that standpoint i don't think there's any doubt these two have the most appealing situations based on the roster uh yeah. we talked about what the raiders have done uh, for mcdaniels you know to get Devontae adams in there the offensive weapons they have to work with a defense that certainly has some pieces that can win them games uh the bucks brady's back um we know kind of the nucleus still in place there so pretty clearly i think these are the two guys set up uh, to have the most success uh, just based on how the rosters are built yeah you hope obviously the raiders play in a, a very tough division and that's always something to consider um also i would say that a lot of times with uh new coaches especially offensive head coaches they're coming into a onto a team that was struggling on that side of the ball or they have a younger quarterback that they're trying to develop it, it is kind of a interesting uh situation that we have with las vegas having you know the offense was pretty dang good last year um obviously things there's different reasons for why john gruden was fired outside of play on the field so that went into it but yeah still yeah one of the better situations with the talent they have and like you said with josh mcdaniels the colts thing after that happened that you're you wondered if he was gonna get an opportunity i'm happy that it does happen here in vegas it seems like a, a good fit uh early on and you, you hope, I mean, it was, I mean, how, not that we haven't seen, we were talking about Sean McVay a second ago, and some of these younger coaches succeed, but, I mean, he was he was pretty young when he first came up around that same age in his, in his early mid-30s uh, when he started, when he took over Denver in 2009, so it's been over a decade, basically, outside of uh, one year in St. Louis, he's he, uh, with the Rams, he was with in New England this entire time, so you think uh, the experience he's gotten, the years under him, that, uh, what he experienced from that first job there, he's gonna uh, jump in and have some success but again that division is what makes it tougher compared to Todd Bowles where it's like I mean look at what this roster he has compared to what he had some of these years with the Jets and a guy that I mean you talk about a guy that got a lot in my mind in his Jets years out of the the players he had on those teams uh, sniffed some playoff appearances did not quite make it I believe they had one year where they went 10 and 6 and didn't make the playoffs so they I mean he, he did a great job there and by all accounts outside of some of the calls maybe in that that playoff loss to the Rams last year that made you scratch your head overall with that defense has done a fantastic job in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I think, yeah, he, in my mind, clearly, obviously with Tom Brady coming back makes a huge difference. I think he clearly has the best uh, chance to, to really go far in year one. And uh, as we know, obviously Tampa Bay is one of the top NFC contenders. And yeah, you'd think that, I mean, if you put the Raiders in a number of divisions, maybe like three, three out of the eight, uh, some different divisions they'd be right there as a possible division favorite it's just they just so happen to be in uh, as we've talked about many times arguably that one of the toughest divisions that we've seen in, in recent history especially given the, the talent at the quarterback position for those four teams yeah I think so too I think it's going to be very interesting like you said just to kind of see the path for both of these two um, and really how it sets up because again these are these are playoff teams I think you look at right now you said the Raiders obviously that's a 
it's a tough division. Uh, there's no doubt compared to the Bucks division, which I think is uh, very winnable at this point. But um, staying in that division, I mean, Dennis Allen with the Saints, uh, that's, that's you know, an interesting one just because I think you look at it, you think about how long Sean, or, you know, you kind of look at what Sean Payton was able to do there and just kind of the the way the team was built throughout his run, kind of mm-hmm. knowing what they could achieve on both sides of the ball. And now things get a lot more interesting. I think that's one of the more intriguing ones to kind of look what, you know, what could Dennis Allen accomplish there because the roster is much different now. Um, but again, there are some interesting pieces there. I think the other one to me, um, I mean, I think you, the way I look at this here, the Saints very interesting for a different reason. I think the Dolphins are interesting. We've talked about them. We've talked about the Vikings. They feel like they've never really gotten over that hump. Uh, Dolphins, very intriguing from a roster standpoint. And we talked about sort of Mike McDaniel, the system he's going to bring there. And then the other one, and then we'll have to talk about the Bears, I guess, separate, because I don't know what to expect from the Bears. But um, the Broncos automatically gets more interesting for Nathaniel Hackett just yeah. because he has Russell Wilson to work with. So, I think those, I know we kind of went all across the board there, but I think there's a lot of intrigue for me with those four teams specifically. And like I said, I'm going to put the Bears below that because I just don't, I don't know what to expect from the Bears. Um, But I think Broncos, Dolphins, Vikings, maybe you put Saints a little bit behind those three just in terms of what your expectations are initially. Uh, But I think Broncos, Dolphins, Vikings, like those are, those are teams I think can get to the point A to point B quicker because of what they have in place, maybe versus where the Saints are. I feel like the Saints may backtrack a little bit. Bears, as I said, I have no idea what to make of them. Yeah, a lot of pressure on Dennis Allen in particular to start off. I mean, out of all these teams I mentioned, two coaches, obviously Bruce Arians retiring and then Sean Payton, not necessarily permanently retiring, but walking away for now. I think out of those two, Bruce, uh, at this point in his career, was kind of more of a CEO type coach in terms of obviously still very involved in every part of what they're doing. But he let Byron Leftwich call the plays on offense. Uh, man, with Sean Payton was so ingrained. It, it's there's only a few teams where you think about like their offense is just like him. Like it, uh, somewhat with the Rams, you think that the Rams are Sean McVay, the Saints are Sean Payton or were, and now I mean obviously Dennis Allen, defensive coach and. I just, I, I, you know, it's a tough thing to take over a program that was so defined and try to maintain that level of excellence, even if they take a step back, even if they're, you know, obviously they just missed the playoffs, would have, could have made it if um, the Niners lost in Week 18. I mean, that's it's pretty incredible to see what they were able to do, despite the, the talent that they, or, uh, you know, some of the issues they had at quarterback a year ago. But I think Dennis Allen, just not even, like, making the playoffs, but just making sure the culture stays and the players still look at New Orleans as a destination. I think the pressure to keep that, what, what Sean Payton built, is the biggest thing for them and that's what makes them I agree one of the more intriguing ones in terms of maybe more optimist optimistic and intrigue those are the three coaches you mentioned the Hackett and Denver McDaniel and Miami and O'Connell but the Vikings I think they maybe the most pressure to win quickly is on Hackett you you bring in Russell Wilson everyone a lot of pundits at least view the view this Broncos roster as a quarterback away from being a playoff contender they still are in that really tough division still have to play Mahomes twice Herbert twice with all the improvements the Chargers have so uh, I think there's just a pressure though because they're you know yes they're, it's not like Russell's that old and they're, they're going to have him for a long time and uh, hope to win uh, over many years but there's still more pressure to immediately win I think the maybe the 
least pressure on on quickly achieving things is probably when Minnesota almost with Kevin O'Connell. I don't yeah. know if I, I you know with, we've seen that ownership be pretty patient. We don't Denver. We don't you know it's a transition in ownership, so we don't really know what's going to be the case there. Miami get to them in a second, but as we know, that's kind of been an, a hectic situation with how their owner has uh, treated and gone through and cycled through coaches. But with the Vikings, I think they're going to let O'Connell build his culture up we've seen now you know with a little patience what zach taylor another mcveigh assistant did in cincinnati um you've seen other and obviously lafleur uh, as well as a guy that worked with shanahan too i mean o'connell uh, as even on a team where he wasn't the primary play caller that plenty of times where mcveigh did note that there are plays and especially uh, at times when sean was struggling with his red zone calling that kevin kind of became the the red zone play caller and with a lot more success this past season so he had, he had a really big part of what they did players by all accounts really like this guy i think he has a chance to have time to build up the culture and i think he has opportunity not with a, a win now like situation like denver we just got we traded for russell wilson it's time to go compete for a super bowl miami you you have to develop to a like we got this guy we drafted and invested so much capital in um i guess they uh, maybe they're you know maybe depending on how uh, enamored with McDaniel, Stephen Ross is maybe he will get chance for another QB if it doesn't work out with Tua. But I think they're in Minnesota. I mean, he worked with Kirk Cousins for a long time before Kevin O'Connell, and uh, I, we'll see how they perform well. But I do think if that situation doesn't work out, they will definitely stick with him for a bit longer. Um, I'm excited to see what he builds there, but it just might take a little more time with a roster that's kind of in flux, it's kind of been stuck in the middle uh, of the league for a few years. But uh, I, I think it will be interesting to see if they try to go, depending on how the season goes after QB next year. And the Dolphins, just overall, it's it's really exciting to see what Mike McDaniel's going to do. Um, just on, you know, maybe I'm scared a bit about how the leash <laughs> that he's going to have as an owner. Maybe I'm, uh, from the owner, I, I do worry a bit about, no. um, obviously, Tua's development in general. But I do, I do not doubt that Mike McDaniel will put – him in the best place to succeed and you look at obviously Tyreek Hill's one part of the puzzle but uh, you know bringing in Armstead and what just in general some of the running backs that they just signed even most are like O'Connell's I'm sorry McDaniel has done some pretty incredible things as a run game expert essentially and now and creating QB friendly offenses he's not he's very used to taking quarterbacks that need a little bit of help to put in those situations where they don't have to make too many reads that's what he's been doing in San Francisco for years and I think um uh, at this point with with this team in Miami I, I think it's gonna uh, you know maybe the, the pressure for me is uh, maybe it's a little more on Tua than the coach in this case it's just you, at this point you have a coach that's really friendly with his offense you're gonna have a probably a much better running game than you've had better pass blocking all these things are gonna go to your uh, to your advantage can you succeed so I'm, I'm really excited to see what Mike does with that team and how they maintain things on defense because as we've talked about a team that as they started winning games after that slow start last year, their defense was pretty ridiculous. They had some just fantastic performances. So if they can just, you know, move the offense to average um, with that defense staying um, at least in that top 10-ish range, I think you look at Miami as a fringe playoff team and uh, definitely a coach uh, that, you know, I was as a, as a as a Rams fan and someone who's rooting against the Niners, very happy to see him hired away from San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. And that's why I think the <laughs> – the Dolphins are interesting. I just think that's one, again, maybe of this entire group, I'm most intrigued by the Dolphins. Again, if you take out the Raiders and the Bucks, which I think will have more success, maybe immediately 
I think there's a lot of pieces in place for the Dolphins to really move forward. Uh, yeah. Although we know it's it's a division that's getting tougher. Jets had a good offseason, but still belongs to the Bills uh, and then the Patriots, of course. So um, that division is getting tougher than maybe where it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. We really just um, had no idea what to expect from, from the AFC East. But uh, all right, let's talk about the Bears because I, I am. I'm telling you, like, I just I hate to single this one out because I just don't – I don't really know what my expectations are for the Bears. I feel like that they are – I don't know. I mean, you know, you would think they have their their quarterback in place, Justin Fields. We see some good things. Um, But I just – I look at the roster and, like, I just don't – like, what am I I looking at in terms of, you know, when you compare the Bears to some of these other teams, I look at the roster and I'm just sort of like, okay, like, where are the Bears significantly better than -hmm. other teams? And I don't see a lot of areas where I feel like that is the case, and I think that's going to be the big issue – when you're kind of looking at what's next for the Bears. To me, it's more – it doesn't really matter about the coaching right now. I think the personnel just has to yeah. be better. And, again, they've got some good players. Dave Montgomery's good running back. As we said, Justin Fields can I – mean, we've seen some some things he can do well. Um, you know, beyond that, I think there are a lot of questions. Yes, more questions and answers at this point, though. As you mentioned, the roster is kind of the thing, and it's like – you we look at these other teams that have drafted QBs in recent history and they always you know even going back to McVeigh with when they when they get Goff in year two uh, they, they hire a new quarterback that's or a new coach that is going to be really QB friendly that it's a great communicator with the quarterback and uh, we yeah. see it obviously even with uh, in Jacksonville this year with what Doug Peterson what they hope is going to happen with Trevor Lawrence we've seen it over the years with a number of different guys and not taking anything away from Matt Eberflus and what he was able to do at times in Indianapolis, and it seems like he's a really good communicator, but I just don't know, you know, roster-wise and coaching staff-wise, if they're putting, you know, Getsy, I mean, it's a big, a lot of pressure on their offense coordinator to, to succeed here and do something and develop, help develop Justin Fields, but as you mentioned, it's, it's as much about the roster for me right now. Not that, uh, not that I can blame them completely. This is a team that has not hit on a lot of draft picks, that has had injuries to top draft picks. We don't, you know, going back to last year, there's some expectations for Tevin Jenkins to come along the offensive line, then he's in, ends up being out for the entire year. They just have had some some really tough things, and then other parts of the cap that have been an issue for them. So it just made it tough for a team that's kind of needing to rebuild to not have the kind of cap space that we saw with teams like Miami and even Jacksonville. So... For Chicago, it's like, and also receiver, man. I mean, we've talked about this already on this podcast, I, th- I've, I believe, at one point. But uh, I don't know if you looked at their depth chart recently. Unless Velas Jones is able to, like, come in and be incredible. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's Darnell Mooney, who I, I'm a fan of, but I wouldn't say is yeah. a top option. Byron Pringle and and St. Brown, at Crimea St. Brown from the from the Packers. So it's, uh, it's not a group that I'm – expecting a ton from in an offensive line that I still have a lot of questions about so for Eberflus I mean maybe the defense ends up being pretty good um they still have a lot of talent there but you know they do lose some guys and I don't know it's just a tough it's a tough situation it's kind of the most it's you know out of these teams like there's the same I have that like excitement like right we're talking about Miami and Mike McDaniel what he might be able to do with Denver and Hackett with even Peterson what maybe Trevor Lawrence being in a more stable situation what he might be able to achieve um, and I, we haven't talked about the Giants yet, but, I mean, we'll get to them in a second, and maybe just things that I feel better about with what who Dable is as a, as a coach coming in there to help a young quarterback and potentially pivot to a new one with some of the things they have. But, man, Chicago is the most just, like, 
it's just there. It's just kind of, and I, yeah. I know Bears fans, and it's just, I know their level of uh, excitement isn't, uh, maybe, like, I, I know some that like Eberflus and have said kind of what I'm mentioning in terms of, like, yeah, he seems like a good communicator, seems like a good leader, but what does that mean for Justin Fields' development? Like, what are we really doing to help the most important player on our roster that we invested in and traded up for last year? And I don't know. It's uh, – uh, my expectations personally for the Bears are not insanely high. If Iberflus gets the defense to be, you know, a top 10-ish unit and the offense just isn't bad, I would be really – I'd think that's a fantastic job personally. Um, yeah. And maybe you just look at – and it's just a tough thing to even evaluate though because, again, it's as much tied into the roster as it is um, who the coach is in this case. It's like what – what what are all the tools that we have even to work with here? And I just it seems in Chicago that they're a bit lacking compared to some of the exciting new pieces we we see coming to Miami and other teams. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Said it the best. Like they're just kind of there for me. The Bears are just. I have no idea what to expect from them. Uh, I just don't see a lot of things that make me believe that I'm gonna you know rush to pick them as a a nine and eight team or anything like that. They just yeah. they feel like they're just kind of stuck there. Um, no nothing above 10 like i just don't like you know it's just kind of one of those teams where maybe they overachieve and go nine and eight or something i I don't know but i just i don't see much else for the bears um i guess that only leaves the giants we didn't really talk much about the giants but um i think this is an interesting one i don't feel like they're gonna just completely revamp things quickly but you know you bring in an offensive-minded head coach um that obviously did some good things in buffalo has some talent to work with with the giants um play in a division that I think is is getting tougher now because the Cowboys are going to be good. We think the Eagles are probably going to be one of the more improved teams. They had one of the best off seasons. Yeah. Washington is at worst I think going to be solid. I don't I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but I don't see them as like a 4 or 5 win team mm-hmm. or anything like that. So I think that's maybe the challenge. And again, we think about this, we would not have said this a couple of years ago either with kind of the state of the NFCs, but now that teams are kind of maybe, you know, the Eagles are making their move, getting back to where the Eagles used to be, perhaps. Um, I feel like it's still an uphill climb, but I think at least for the Giants, there's probably some reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, I, I mean, just in general with Dable, his track record, with the development of Josh Allen, as much as you can credit it to some of the out-of-the-building off, off the, out work and some of the different guys that Josh worked with and what he did individually, I think Dable still deserves a ton of credit. Uh, you know, obviously, you just hear how Josh Allen talks about him and how happy he is for the opportunity that Dable got, but also how much he's going to miss him. I mean, this guy, he's the, he's the guy that if I was the, I don't know what the, you know, going back to all the rumors and different things and all the conversations, but this is the kind of guy, if I were the bears, I was like, please find, get him to mold our young quarterback. And so if you, if you are Daniel Jones, uh, if you're Jonesy for Jones here and believe that he's still going to become uh, a, a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. This is the exact guy you want to be in your building. A guy that seems also uh, keeps his players accountable. It seems like a guy that's pretty stern, but also has that ability to take players aside and get to know them. It's that kind of coach that a lot of us had growing up at different levels of different sports. So I, I think in this, his mind as a as a scheme from a scheme perspective, what he can do for that offense to put Daniel Jones in place to succeed, to use all the weapons that they have. I'm excited for it. I don't know. Yeah. Expectation wise, uh, some giant fans might hope that they can compete in that division. I I wouldn't say that's what the, the barometer of success would be necessarily. I still think they have some spots of the roster they need to work on. I think obviously if, if Andrew Thomas could take a step 
and you're obviously adding Evan Neal. If these guys that they drafted are able to stay healthy and play uh, well early on, that will make a big difference. But um, one other thing to think about, they have, based on for uh, Vegas's forecasted win totals, the Giants have the easiest strength of schedule in the entire NFL. So just uh, um, maybe that should maybe put you in a place where you expect a few more wins from this team than you would otherwise. But um, I think it's a, a situation where for Dable – I mean, it wasn't, you know, out of all the, out of these 10 jobs we're talking about, obviously there's some others that had better situations to walk into, but I don't think, you know, we've seen with the Giants and historically, obviously, unless the head coach really doesn't, has some issues with how they um, hold up the locker room and different things. We've seen mostly the Mara family be pretty, um, pretty loyal to their coaches and give them a chance. And I'm sure with Dable, he was as we saw, he he went through the cycle a year before, and I think the the one team we thought he almost would go to would be the Chargers. But I don't think he was going to really leave for a job without feeling pretty good about how long he'd be there and where the roster was going. So uh, maybe there, uh, I think he's a guy that doesn't have as much pressure. Expectations might be decent, de- not high, but like over uh, above average in terms of what uh, fans, especially in New York, want from him and what they expect that team to do. But I don't think internally from that from that uh, front office from that uh, from their ownership that they're going to be looking at this as this is just year one. I think they're going to look at it and see that they they understand that if things don't work, if Daniel Jones that, that things aren't uh, going so well, they're going to be able to pivot and they're going to trust Dable to be the guy that they pivot with. So uh, less pressure maybe on him as much as who's going to on the, some of these players will be like who's going to be on the ride for this uh, for this rebuild um, and hopefully for the Giants' sake doesn't take too long like you mentioned the division isn't uh the toughest but it's still with how the eagles in my mind and we talked about uh feel like they've made some improvements still have dallas as a team that last year was top five in both dvoa and offense and defense i think even top three on defense so i mean if they even if they uh, regress a bit uh, not a team i'm expecting to pick them over but i think the giants still uh don't have as long of a period of time to, to getting their roster back to being competent i just i do wonder if daniel jones still is the the guy and kind of like uh, similar diff, very different situation but similar in terms of the circumstances of the pressure being on the qb instead of the coach i think it's similar to miami in terms of the, the pressures on tua there uh to succeed with the coach that's the qb friendly guy and i think the same thing is the case here in new york where the pressure is mostly on daniel jones if you can't make it work with brian dable then uh, then it's probably going to be time for the giants to find a, a different signal caller Yep, we will see how things unfold there for the Giants uh, as they try to get back in the the race in the NFC East. But um, there are some thoughts on some of the situations, like we said, uh, new coaches, and we'll get more into these as we do our division-by-division previews and look at all these teams a little bit more in depth. But uh, there are just some general thoughts on uh, these coaches taking over in these different spots. But uh, for now, Dylan, a lot of off-season stuff going on. Over at Clutch Points uh, and, of course, uh, NBA Finals. Uh, lots of stuff happening. Baseball in full swing here in the summer. Um, lots of stuff going on over there. Yeah, you can follow the rest of the NBA Finals on the Clutch Points app on our website. Tons of coverage of all the, the finals. We have the NBA Draft coming up next week. A lot of stuff we're doing, draft coverage. for. So if you're, not as in, if you're a fan of one of the other 28 teams, plenty of stuff we're looking at for that and also even – free agency not too long after that and obviously on the football side tons of things going on still a lot of uh looking over you know, the last uh needs ranking based kind of ranking off seasons for every team looking at potential breakout players um on and, and players undrafted players that might make these teams so tons of content in the nfl section of the clutch points app and on the nfl section 
of the website and tons more coming not too long until we'll have a lot of more fantasy content probably towards the end of July. But I know some of you are doing your research now, so we'll get some stuff out there uh, earlier than that. And yeah, it's getting it's getting there only about a month and a half, not even a month and a half fully away from training camp starting. It's it's creeping up again as it always does. Yep, it always does, and as we always say, there's always something going on. For sure. So be sure to check out everything over at Clutch Points. Uh, and as always, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. Search for Establish the Past. And uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time here on the Establish the Past podcast.